Hello again, everybody. Tim Martinez, Impact Healthcare CEO. For those of you that had a chance and have and were with us, I guess, since our first podcast that went out probably about a month ago, um, you'll recognize this as the Impact Pulse, our now monthly podcast. This is podcast number two. For those of you who have joined us more recently and or have not had a chance to listen to the first podcast, please go over to the Impact Team Hub and take a few minutes to do so. During that first podcast, we did introduce our new Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Sean Canone, in a Get to Know You interview. The second podcast is very similar in that we're going to get to know another new addition to the team. So on with me today is Jennifer Sprague, our VP of Revenue Strategy and Compliance. We'll get into the details of what exactly that means in a minute. Um, but Jennifer has been with us now for, for a few months and let's start off with, uh, well, first of all, let me welcome Jennifer in, uh, Hello. welcome, uh, both officially into MPAC and to the MPAC podcast. Uh, let's start off by having you tell us a little bit about your background, your experience, its applicability to, to MPAC so that we all know sort of why you're here and, uh, the value you bring. Sure. So it's been quite the journey um, to finally come what I would consider full circle and now working with a large provider group. I'm actually an epidemiologist by training. Um, I spent a lot of time in laboratories working specifically with healthcare associated pathogens. So think like your MRSA and your C. diff. I'm pretty good if you ever need to identify bacteria by smell. I'm your gal. Um, you can have amazing. some pretty fun It It really... <laughs> hidden talent for that one. Um, also, though, when I was um, studying in grad school, a lot of emphasis on chronic disease, especially diabetes and other cardiometabolic conditions. And a lot of that interest was born from personal experience within my family and having a lot of family members that struggled with diabetes and other types of chronic conditions for years and seeing the impact on their lives and, and honestly the impact on our family. And so that's where I started. After leaving grad school, I just kind of landed um, in an organization that sold software to healthcare organizations and did a lot of work directly with nurses and then also clinical pharmacists, very much focused, again, on healthcare-associated infections in the inpatient hospital setting. Moved from there uh, to really be able to follow that passion related to chronic disease um, and working with a population health management software that was later acquired by Philips and gave me the opportunity to work with a lot of large health systems and accountable care organizations throughout the country to help them figure out how do you do value-based care and population health. And so that included a lot of activities around data analytics, care management programs, also remote patient monitoring, and ambulatory telehealth. And I think what's kind of cool and what's very exciting about being able to join Impact is being able to take a lot of that experience and seeing what's happened in ambulatory and also inpatient, specifically around value-based care, over the past eight years and seeing how post-acute needs to go on that same journey. 
um, and being able to apply a lot of those learnings and things that I've observed while working with my customers over the past several years and bringing that to the post-acute space. And it really seems as though impact is very well positioned to be the leader um, in in kind of pushing the envelope and moving to truly value-based care because that's what we bring and how we differentiate ourselves um, from, from everyone else in this space. Excellent. I think that's a, a very good intro. So while this is your, I guess, official welcome to the team as we uh, push out this podcast or we'll be pushing out this podcast later this week to everybody, uh, you've actually been with us now since the beginning of, of January. I know it probably feels more like um, four years than four months because a lot is, is getting done and a lot has been done, uh, mostly around um, the billing and collections function. Um, which is not your sole area of responsibility, which we'll get in in a little bit later. But um, as you've gotten to know our organization and, you know, I think now can fully, you know, um, can brand yourself part of the impact team. I know it takes a little while for people to sort of, you know, switch over the hat that they've been wearing at their former employer. And now, now I think you can say you you bleed impact blue. Um, What is it that we're doing? And you touched on it a little bit. Um, that gets you excited as you learn more about and get get fully ingrained with the team and get to meet and work with um, some of the providers? I think what's been most exciting and really most impressive for me is that no one ever settles for the status quo. And that's kind of at every level and in every aspect of what's being done. And so, you know, at the highest macro level, it's really around what programs are we willing to offer or entertain or think about? And really just saying, is there a need? Is there a need for the patients? Is there a need for our operators and for our partners? And then really aggressively trying to figure out what we can do to address that need and thinking always first about what can we do for the patients? What can we do for our operators? And then we figure out how do we pay for it? And that's been incredibly refreshing, um, having spent so many years with organizations where they stopped very early in their brainstorming about what they could potentially do to improve care because of just this huge fear around payment. And not saying that payment's not important, it's, but it's a facet of what we should be doing. And if you get creative um, and also think strategically and also think efficiently and, and, you know, with agility, you can usually do these things and and ultimately come out on the other side having done something really great. And so I think for me, that's, that's what I've been most impressed with, uh, with the organization. And it really shows um, with the providers and the work that they're doing on the ground as well. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's um, obviously makes me feel good to hear that as we get bigger, bigger organizations tend to slow down and be less agile and um, stop taking risks. But that's something that we've really found a niche in and pride ourselves on um, really trying to solve the complex problems that other groups have either steered away from or just aren't willing to take on. So um, you can rest assured you'll be seeing more of those Um, come across as we continue to push the envelope. Um, As I mentioned earlier, your your time thus far has really been 
spent evaluating and and more so fixing our billing and collections function. Um, we're all well aware how uh, difficult that that is and how we were falling short in that area. Uh, but I think it would be good to to let everybody know that's not your only responsibility. And over time, your time will be shifting more towards more valuable areas, which is really why we brought you on. So uh, maybe help give give everybody a view of what you're really here to do, you know, once we get that billing collections thing totally fixed. Yeah, as much as I know, everyone will will really miss the missed encounters report. Um, <laughs> and it's my favorite part of the week. They, there really are a lot of other major initiatives that will be um, coming up later this year and then, and then also obviously in years to come that are incredibly exciting. First is actually around compliance and kind of all aspects there. And this sometimes isn't the most exciting topic, but something that we need to focus on as an organization. And it really will help us actually become more efficient in the future, feeling very comfortable and are we shored up and, and doing a lot of things the right way in terms of corporate compliance? You think about HIPAA and then also just regulatory aspects. So really growing up in that regard and making sure that we have in pieces that are more fitting for our size and our scale and that will also enable our providers hopefully to not have to worry about so many of these things themselves because we will have systems and processes in place that will act as those checks and help cover the areas of compliance. In addition to that, we'll also be looking um, at evaluating and, and moving to appropriate systems and solutions and services uh, that really facilitate our scale and the type of organization that we are, really with our mind's eye to what do we wanna do in the future in terms of expanding our service lines or even expanding our footprint of our current service lines. So this maybe includes things like looking and saying, you know, do we really have the best EMR for our provider type? Um, do we have the best processes for getting folks credentialed and enrolled with the payers as quickly as possible? Are we doing what we need to for doing documentation and coding reviews and education? So looking at all of those areas and making sure that we have the right tools to support those things for growth. Um, and then also for expansion of service lines. And then the third piece, which for me is the most exciting, is really around the concept of, of revenue strategy. And what that really boils down to is, is there a way for us to get reimbursed based more on the value that we provide and that we know we provide and just need to go make a strong case to the insurers to show that this is the better way to provide care. Let's see how we can treat in place, for instance, instead of sending back out to the hospital. Let's see how we can provide mental health services for patients and residents and really improve their experience and their satisfaction and really their quality of life. And then that can expand to the numerous other kind of service lines that we've been brainstorming. But thinking through how do we make that viable um, from a revenue perspective and thinking about different models um, and arrangements that we can set up with payers to, to make those programs possible. Perfect. MPAC was started uh, with the belief that we needed to create a kind of value-based focused company first, even if it meant we were going to get reimbursed on a, in a fee-for-service model, which necessarily means from a financial perspective, 
we are absorbing a hit right now. Um, but we did it very strategically, looking at the long term, looking at where healthcare was going. Uh, it's a big reason we added mental health capabilities and services to what we do, because that's now becoming a focus, and that's um, an incredible need within this patient population. So we're finally at that point where we're ready to start attacking it from a value-based perspective. We've proven the model. We've we've grown an organization uh, full of amazing providers who focus on value. Now, with your help, we're getting ready to pivot towards going to those payers, showing them the proof, and then getting to where we should be from a financial perspective and getting reimbursed for the value we create. So it's really exciting and should be excited, exciting for everybody to see that, you know, the day we've talked about of this day will come, this day will come, this day is now coming and it's sooner and, it, and, it's, and it's, you know, on the horizon finally. So um, that's, that's very exciting. I, uh, I asked Dr. Canone this question as well when we did his getting to know you, but just curious to get your perspective. What are, I guess, some of the biggest challenges you think we can expect as the landscape does continue um, to, to evolve in a change, oftentimes in maybe unforeseen directions, because um, nobody, nobody has a clear path to say, this is exactly where we're going, right? Value-based care is kind of a buzzword. Um, nobody really knows what exactly it means. And ACOs have kind of come, some have gone, they're still trying to figure it out. So from your perspective, with your background, your experience, what you know of, of us and what we do, where do you think those challenges and potentially biggest opportunities, where do you think those, those lie? I'm glad you said value-based care, because uh, I think that in a nutshell is where the greatest challenge lies. And this is more actually on an industry scale and not just specific to impact. But when people talk about value-based care in terms of the buzzwords and a lot of the struggles that we've seen in other areas of healthcare, what it all boils down to is how do you define value? And so, for instance, you know, CMS with their various programs and even some commercial payers with their programs have tried to quantify that concept of value through different types of measurements. So they may look at quality measurements, you know, so quality measures, maybe controlling high blood pressure or pressure ulcers, things like that. Um, also cost, and then some of them have also attempted to look at patient satisfaction through those, you know, those mailed surveys you get after you go have a procedure done um, at a hospital, for instance. But I think what everyone finds is they roll out these pretty complicated metrics, et cetera, and then a lot of times the providers are sitting around looking at each other going, are we actually improving care? You know, are we actually providing value to the consumer? What does the consumer or the patient find valuable? And so that, and then compounded with post-acute, pre presents a very, very large challenge. And I would argue that, um, you know, post-acute has a long way to go, and this is not because of the people working in the space, but rather legislators, CMS, commercial payers, don't really understand it very well. And so unfortunately have been trying to take concepts that they developed more appropriate for other areas, such as ambulatory and inpatient, and just say, oh, okay, yeah, here you go, post-acute. You can just use this too. And it doesn't translate very well. So that's very much where we are right now is this almost this inflection point of CMS going, oh, shoot, we actually don't understand this very well. 
we maybe need to do a little homework and go talk to some people and figure out how to make this better. And so that's where impact has a great opportunity and something, um, Tim, we've talked about and I want to push on is this concept of providing some thought leadership and, um, you know, some brand around us providing a lot of input as to what value looks like in this space and being able to show it and be the first ones to show it. And that almost becoming adopted as a model nationwide for how value is assessed in post-acute. I think the other big challenge is the amount of time we have to do this. Um, it's, it's no, you know, unknown fact to everyone how quickly the population is aging. And so while other areas had several, several years to figure this stuff out, in our area, that's compressed just because of the speed at which the population is aging and the speed at which services are having to be utilized and really kind of the pressure that we expect to see as care is moving more out of the hospital, pushing to post-acute, and then eventually pushing to the home, right? Yep. So there's a lot there, um, a lot for us to look at, but really great opportunity for us as an organization because I do feel we're well-positioned uh, to embrace this and really kind of know what we're doing uh, more so than others <laughs> who maybe have their heads in the sand. <laughs> yep. Well, I think you and I could probably go on for quite a while back and forth talking about all the different areas and opportunities and challenges. We'll we'll keep this relatively short though uh, for for this audience. Hopefully they're in their car, either heading into their facility or heading home and maybe almost home. Uh, but anything in particular you'd like to, to kind of lead with some kind of parting shot or um, cover any other topics before we do sign off? Sure. I think this is a really good opportunity to provide an introduction uh, to something that this may be new for a lot of our providers that impacts this year. And it has to do with some mandatory quality reporting that we have to do to CMS. And it's pretty, pretty big and complicated in terms of all the different rules and all the different specifications. But boil it down, I think it'd be great just to provide a little bit of history about, you know, why it exists and what's coming, and then what you can expect in the next few weeks um, as we need to address this as an organization. So maybe a lot of people have heard the term MACRA or the term MIPS. And MACRA um, was an act of legislation passed in 2015. It stands for the Medicare Access and Chip Reauthorization Act. The purpose of that legislation was actually to replace parts of legislation from 1997, the Balanced Budget Act. And really what it was is there was a formula being used each year to determine how much providers were reimbursed for certain services. And since 1997, they realized, oh, that, that formula is quite flawed and didn't really account for intensity and frequency of services. And as a result, every single year, they'd have to rush, you know, like Congress always does. They wait to the last minute and try to put in a patch to fix the formula. So in 2015 is when they said, you know what, let's fix this for good. And they passed yet another piece of legislation. A part of that rule from Congress essentially told Medicare, CMS, you have to come up with some kind of payment system that's incentive-based 
And, or, you know, some people might look at it and say disincentive because there's also penalties associated. And it's basically where payments from Medicare to healthcare providers would be adjusted based on performance. So you get your fee for your service, but then there's either a reduction or a bonus on that payment based on how you perform. They assess performance. They look at a few different areas. There's three that are applicable to impact. And right now, this is exclusive um, to services and, and, and patients serve our nurse practitioners. But we're all kind of just, you know, waiting for the day because it'll probably be next year um, when other types of providers, including our licensed clinical social workers, would likely be involved. And so some of the areas that they're looking at to assess performance are things like improvement activities. So these are more process-oriented type things, so maybe continuing education, servicing underserved populations, which is something that IMPACT does. They're also looking at costs by looking at our claims data and looking at total per capita costs for patients that we serve. Obviously, in post-acute, that's a very scary number. So this was an area where I was saying that CMS hasn't quite figured out what to do with our space. And then the third component, and the one I want to focus on because it will have an impact to our providers this year, is around quality. And so they want to ensure that certain quality actions are taken and completed for patients and that those actions are documented in the EMR. That's kind of the, the key point there. So with this in these different areas, they kind of set a threshold that we need to meet of performance. It's a pretty robust calculation. And by meeting that threshold, it ensures that we preserve our full payment from Medicare. If we don't meet that threshold, we could actually be subject to a penalty up to 7%. That's huge. That is just a massive penalty and pretty scary for everyone when we think about it. But the good news is, is that we have this, you know, well-assessed and under control and we have a plan so that we ensure that we don't get a penalty and that most likely we can get a little bit of uplift in our reimbursement which will really help us as an organization and especially with the populations that we serve. And so in terms of quality for this year, uh, there's actually six measures that we'll have to track and report on. Five of those are good, good news for us, um, applicable to the annual wellness visit. So already baked in to that annual wellness visit workflow that we're already doing and documenting. So it's focused with a couple immunizations, tobacco screening, and then also assessing for alcohol use. There is one measure, though, that's going to apply to any patient for which we render a primary care visit in skilled nursing or in the nursing facility. And so that's a, that's a pretty big patient population. But all we need to do is really you're going to look and see does the patient have some form of advanced care plan documented in the facility EMR? And so it doesn't mean that our providers have to actually have a care planning discussion. Rather, it's just an assessment of does a care plan exist, yes or no, and then indicating that um, in our CARIO EMR. 
So the hope here is that it should be a pretty low documentation burden. We know that it'll require an effort, and we're really hoping to coordinate that and provide a lot of direction and also pare down the the patients that have to be looked at. But that's, from a quality perspective, our focus and where we're going to shine is with those AWV measures. And then we have that one additional measure that we'll also need to document for our patients, but it's only once for the entire year, not for every single encounter. So the hope is that we can keep that fairly limited. But more instructions will come. Um, and if anyone has any particular interest in this topic, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, there's lots of information and lots of background. Also, if anyone has previous experience and interest in quality reporting and quality measures in general, also reach out. Um, we'll have to look at this every year moving forward, and we anticipate that it's probably going to get a little tougher. And so it'd be interesting for us to get feedback about what makes sense for our area. Also, we'll likely have opportunities to provide feedback to CMS about potential measures that make sense for our patient population. So putting a Putting a feeler out there, if anyone's interested in this topic, um, please let me know because uh, I know that Kristen and I have a lot of conversations about this and we're hoping that there's some others that, that want to join us. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like <laughs> details, more details to come later on very specific things that, you know, the individuals in this case, our, our NPs um, will need to follow up on. And this again, serves as your official welcome to the team, even though you've now been fully indoctrinated and fully part of the team for a while. <laughs> uh, thank you for taking the time. This was very helpful, and I'm sure everybody else will uh, feel the same. Thanks, Tim. All right. Talk to you soon.